And uh, I want to preach to you out of the book of John this morning. Let me say that uh, before we get into the message, it's good to be back here. And uh, uh, we came from down south. They, they, don't, they don't know that there's Christians up here. They're down there in the Bible Belt, and they said, where are you going next? I said, I'm going to Philly. They said, Philly, Philadelphia? Said, yeah. So there's, there's Baptists up there? I said, yeah. There's Christians up there? And uh, appreciate you being here this morning. And uh, boy, the, the, the building looks great. The building looks great. I know you've worked on it a lot. Uh, someone posted a few days ago a, a memory from us being here last year. And, uh, and, and so it was fresh in my mind what it looked like last year. And uh, I came in last night, the preacher said, uh, we got in about 10 o'clock last night. He said, uh, let's go over to the church. And so I walked in and uh, the very first thing I noticed was the absence of the brick linoleum look, or brick look linoleum out in the, I said, the brick's gone. And uh, then I noticed the orange is gone. And uh, there, was, there was enough orange here to just, you know, cover the earth. But um, it, looks, it really looks beautiful in here. And I believe the Lord is pleased uh, when we uh, beautify this place. And uh, we know the church is not the building. The church is the people. Uh, but this is a special place nonetheless because we gather together in this place to meet with God and to hear from God. And I pray that you've already heard from God this morning, uh, but we still are listening because I believe He has more to say. John chapter 3, familiar passage in your Bible, and I want to preach this morning on the new birth. And uh, what a blessing it was, uh, Pastor, as I was sitting down there, um, and uh, you were up here uh, uh, talking, and brother, I forgot your name already, I'm terrible with names. James? Is it James? Okay. I remembered it. How did I do that? Thank you, Lord. Um, you're talking with James up here. Right before you came up here, while we were singing the song, I was praying, and I said, Lord, uh, I really felt impressed, and I've never done this before. I felt impressed to ask before I preached if there's someone here who was unsaved or unsure of their salvation. And... Uh, and I've never, I've never felt that before, impressed to do that before I preached. Usually we ask that after we preach. But I felt impressed to ask that before I preached. And uh, brother, the thought was still in my mind when you came up and you asked that question to the congregation here. Now listen, you, you can believe that or not believe it. It doesn't really matter. It's true. What just took place, and you know what that tells me? That tells me that the Spirit of God is at work in this place today. Amen. And you say, well, He's always in our presence. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. That's true. That's true. Anytime God's people meet together in His name, He is there. But there is a difference between the Lord being here and the Lord being the Lord of this place. We don't want Him attending uh, just attending. We don't want him just observing. We want him in charge. Amen. Amen. And I believe that he is manifesting his presence to us this morning. I say that to say this. If you are unsaved, 
or unsure of your salvation, this would be a wonderful day to get that settled. Now, we're in the book of John, we're in John chapter 3, but I want us to turn to John chapter 5. I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Lord here. In John chapter 5, let me read this story to you. In John chapter 5 verse 1, he says, after this, and uh, why don't you stand with me if you're able, as we read God's word together. The Bible says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now that's a strange statement, isn't it? What does that mean? Look at verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. Now, look at verse 5. A certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? That's the question this morning. If you're unsaved, if you've not been made whole in your heart, we're not talking about physical, we're talking about spiritual. Spiritually, we're not talking about this life, we're talking about eternal life, which is far greater importance, of far greater importance. Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us as we look in these verses. This was not my plan to preach out of this passage this morning, but Lord, I believe you're directing us here, and we want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. I have no fancy outline. I have no prepared remarks, but we do have the Holy Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we look into your word. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to hearts. We're thankful for James and his desire to be born again today. And Father, we pray for others in this place. It is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God, I pray that sinners would repent this morning. And trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. In this place and all around the world, wherever the gospel is being preached, we pray for souls to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This is an unusual story. It's one that has uh, always arrested my attention. And uh, there's, there's some unique things about this story. This pool uh, of Bethesda, when we think pool, we think of, uh, you know, like the, the local pool where everybody swims. That, that wasn't the, the case here. This was a uh, water reservoir, uh, we would call it. It was a pool. And uh, it was called Bethesda. There was five porches around this pool. And, um, and the Bible says that something unique was happening here. Now, we don't know how long it had been happening. We don't know how long it happened after this point. But the Bible says at a certain season, an angel went down and troubled the water. What does that mean? Well, he stirred it. He, and I believe that that's how they knew that he was there. I, I, don't, I don't know that they actually saw the angel, but they did see the water being troubled. When the water was moving, maybe seemingly of its own accord, they knew that the presence of God was in their midst. And here's the fact of the matter. The Bible says that whosoever got into the water after it was troubled, was made whole. The Bible says in verse, uh, uh, tells us that in verse 4, the whosoever, and then it also says they were made whole of whatsoever disease he had. It didn't matter what the disease was. It didn't matter who the person was. If they made it into that pool, they would be made whole. Now, in the wonderful Wonderful truth concerning the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can be saved. You don't have to be a certain race, whatever that is. Amen. I believe there's one race. It's called the human race. But you don't have to uh, have a certain skin color. You don't have to have a certain status in the community. You don't have to have a certain amount of money. You don't have to have a certain amount of, of education or intelligence. Anybody can be made whole by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you say, well, I don't think I need to be made whole. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The fact of the matter is, as good as you may be, you are not as good as the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is the standard by which we are all judged. You might sit here this morning and say, well, I'm better than the person sitting next to me. That may be true. Probably not if you have that attitude. But that may be true. You might sit there and say, I'm better than that preacher up there. I'm a better person. That also may be true. But my friend on the great judgment day you will not stand before God and say well I'm better than Mark Thren so I should be able to get into heaven because Mark Thren is not the standard that you will be judged by you're not going to be judged by Pastor Phil Wood you're not going to be judged by your grandmother and, 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 or, or you're the best person you know you're not going to be judged by the worst person you know you are going to be judged according to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
And unless you're better than Jesus, you're not getting into heaven by your works. By your goodness. The Bible makes it clear, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. We need the mercy of God because there's none righteous. The Bible says there's none righteous, and then knowing the heart of man that we would argue with that, He interrupts us. There's none righteous? No, not one, not one. We are all, the Bible says, as an unclean thing before God. You can scrub yourself with the best soap. You can turn over every new leaf that you can think of. You can stop all the bad things that you can think of and try to start doing all the good things that you can think of. But still before a holy and righteous God, you are unclean and not fit for heaven. But praise God, that's why Jesus came. The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the the Apostle Paul says, of whom I am chief. I can identify with that. I feel like the chiefest of sinners. You look up here and you see a guy standing in a suit. And you see a guy that uh, was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad's a preacher. I grew up singing in church. I've been in church all my life. That didn't make me a Christian. That didn't make me holy or righteous. That didn't make me fit for heaven. I was still just as hell bound as the worst sinner that you know. Because our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before the Lord. And what you and I need is we need the righteousness of God to get in. Well, you don't possess that of your own accord. I don't possess that of my own accord. But Christ Jesus, the Son of God, possesses that. When He died on the cross, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He became sin for us. He was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Whosoever gets in the pool was healed. And whosoever comes to the cleansing fountain of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can have their sins washed away. You can be made whole of whatsoever disease you have. Doesn't matter the type of sin that has you bound. Now listen, whatever sin that that you're involved in, it's got you. You don't have it, it has you. We play with sin like it's something that we can control, but we can't. We can't. The fact of the matter is, You're going to need a power greater than your own to overcome that sin. You're going to need a power greater than your own to wash away the guilt of that sin. So here's the the fact of the matter. As I said earlier, we could start new today. All that bad stuff, I'm not going to do it anymore. 
I'm going to I'm going to live clean. I'm going to walk right. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to I'm going to do my best to be to be righteous. And let me just say I don't think you're going to make it. But for argument's sake, let's just say from this point forward, you never committed one more sin in your life. I'll just give you that. Okay? I'll let you have that. I'll let you have that argument. Say, I'm never going to commit another sin. Surely I'll make it into heaven. What about all those sins you've already committed? Because you know that you have committed sin. You know in the depth of your heart that you have gone against the commands of God. fact of the matter is, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Not even taking into account our unrighteousness. God is so holy. He's so just. We could never enter into His presence without the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, so what about Mother Teresa? Well, she was a good lady. Well, appears that she was. Let me tell you, if she wasn't trusting to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, she's in hell tonight Amen. and today. Amen. The best person you know needs the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because of the sin that we're all guilty of. But listen, the good news is, no matter what the sin is, it can be washed away. Whosoever, whatsoever. But you know what I don't find in this passage? A whensoever. Now listen to me very carefully. I see a whosoever, I see a whatsoever. I don't see a whensoever. So what do I mean, preacher? Does that mean, does that mean I can't get saved whenever I want to get saved? That's exactly what it means. Because salvation is not a work of yours. It's a work of God. They were gathered around this pool. There was a lot of people around this pool. The Bible says that this man, the verse 6, it says, When Jesus saw him lie, saw him laying there, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Now, we don't know how long he laid there, but we know it wasn't just a day or two. Because he was saying, every time the water is troubled, I get to try to get in the pool, and I, somebody gets in before me. And the opportunity is lost. Listen, listen to me very carefully. All throughout your Bible, you will see lost opportunity after lost opportunity. And some of those opportunities never come around again. They never come around again. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Bible says, the Lord says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. I'm saying this morning that you need to get in the pool 
while the waters are stirred, while the Lord is speaking to your heart, while He's drawing you. The Bible says that uh, no man can come unto the Father or come unto me, Jesus said, except the Father draw him. You know what that means? That means that the work of salvation is a divine work. That means God does it. That means you don't. I'm not saved up here because I saved myself. I'm not saved, and I am saved, amen? If I died right now, I'd go straight to heaven. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. That's not because I did something so great. It's because Jesus Christ kept His word, and whosoever shall call upon Him shall be saved. And I called upon Him August 10th, 1995. I trusted Him. I trusted what He did for me. What did He do? Well, He died in my place on the cross. He died for my sin. He was buried and He rose again. You know why the, the resurrection is so important? Because the resurrection is God's stamp of approval on the sacrifice that Jesus made. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. It's the proof. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross. That's not a fairy tale. It really happened. Jesus died on the cross in my place. Those were my sins he was dying for. Those were your sins he was dying for. They buried him, and three days later, he came up out of that grave. And on August 10th, 1995, it got from here to here. I'd always believed the gospel because I was raised in church. Remember, I told you that. Raised in church. Always told Jesus died on the cross. Never had a reason to doubt it. Everybody I looked up to told me Jesus died on the cross. I believed it here. I always believed he rose again. Had no reason to doubt it. But until I trusted what Jesus Christ did for me. See, there's a difference between having a head knowledge and trusting. I believe that a parachute will get me from a plane to the ground safely. I have that head knowledge. I'm not quite ready to jump out of the plane. Come on. I believe it. I know there's, there's crazy people out there that do that for fun. And, and with all due respect and love, you're crazy. You jump out of a plane. God didn't give you wings. But I've seen people jump out of planes with, 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 with parachutes. And I've seen them land safely on the ground. But I don't want to try it. Unless the plane's going down. Then I think I'm ready to trust that parachute. Can I tell you, friend? Your plane is going down. And unless you get it from here to here, you're going down with it. You are going to have to trust 
that parachute, if I can say it this way, of God's grace because that's the only thing that's going to get you safely to the other side. There is a time limit to the grace of God. It sounds pretty to say you'll never outrun the mercy of God, you'll never out, out, outweigh the grace of God. That sounds pretty, but it's not true. I heard a song many years ago, it says, God's mercy rides on when justice gives up. That is inaccurate. That is completely false, biblically speaking. God's justice will never give up. God's justice will never come to an end because it's the essence of who He is. He is holy. And if God's justice quit, then God would cease being God. But there is an end to His mercy. I'm saying you better get in while you can. You better trust the Lord while you can. This pool, I haven't heard anything about this pool for a very long time. I'm sure that if the pool was still being stirred by an angel, we would be reading about it in the paper or in the digital slides that go across our screen. I say a paper and the kids are looking, what's paper? (laughs) You know that comes from trees? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Philip's looking at me, that's the first time he's heard that. He's like, (laughs) what? I'm saying there is an expiration date. You have an expiration date. That body you're living in, That's not you. The real you is on the inside. And it's going to live forever. That body is going to die. It's going to perish. The Bible calls it a house. You aren't your house. You just live in your house. But there's going to come a time when that body is gone. But your soul will live on. And listen, friends, there's no... There's no purgatory. There's no limbo. It's either heaven or hell. And the difference between those who go to heaven and those who go to hell, there's only one difference. The ones who go to heaven have Jesus, and the ones who go to hell don't. That's it. That's it. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, 12, but as many as received him, not received a list of facts about him, not received the catechism, not received baptism, not received communion, but received him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. In case you're wondering, what does that mean to receive him? He explains it in the same verse. Believe on his name. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Put the keeping of your soul in someone's hands that is greater than you. 
Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. On August the 10th, 1995, right over on the side of the church, I committed my soul to Jesus Christ. And I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on to me. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. I hear this morning, it's not an accident that you're here. It's a divine appointment. It's not an accident that God put together the pastor, our hearts on this matter of salvation, on this matter of asking the congregation before we even got up to preach, is there anyone here who's unsaved? Is there anyone here who's not sure where they're going to spend eternity? Is there anyone here that has never received the Lord Jesus Christ? That's not an accident. That was a divine appointment. What you're witnessing this morning and what you're experiencing this morning is the hand of God. Now it's up to you. Are you going to respond? Say, preacher, I've been in church all my life. Of course I'm saved. It's not the way it works. Being in church doesn't save you. Being in Christ saves you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts in ways that we cannot, that I cannot. The question you asked this man so many years ago, it's a simple question. But his entire destiny rested upon the answer, Wilt thou be made whole? And Lord, maybe there's someone here today. They are bound by sin. They have this infirmity that all of us were born with. This sin nature. We're born away from God. And as we get older, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Lord, it is so good to know and it's so good to preach with confidence that Christ Jesus can deliver anybody from any sin. Lord, I pray that they would understand that they need to get in while the water is troubled. When you're dealing with their heart, when you're speaking to their soul, young or old, it matters not. You can save children. You can save seniors. You can save dads and moms. But they've got to come to you. And so, Lord, I pray right now, whoever they may be, that they would come to Christ. Jesus said, come unto me, 
all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God, may they find their soul's rest in Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, the pastor's coming. He's going to conduct the invitation. I know you've been asked the question already today. But I'm going to ask it again and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that today. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, the Spirit of God, something has spoken to my heart. That's the Spirit of God. Say, I'm not saved, or I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know where I'm going when I die. Or maybe you're, you're sure. You know that you're not saved. The Lord has made it clear to you today. If you're unsaved or you're unsure of your salvation, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, before I ask you to do that, I'm going to let you know a few things. I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to come to where you are. This is what I am going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you sincerely from my heart. I'm going to pray for you. So if you're here this morning, say, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure of my salvation or I'm, I'm unsaved. Just slip your hand up. Just slip it up. Nobody's looking around. Just me and you and the Lord. Say, preacher, I'm not sure, or I'm not saved. The Spirit of God speaking to my heart. Anyone? Just slip your hand up. Anyone? Heavenly Father, we sure are grateful for your love for us. We know we didn't earn your love. You chose to love us. We can't earn your salvation, but you chose to send your son to die for our sins. And Lord, I pray, I pray that those who are here this morning, who are unsaved or unsure, Lord, that they would just in simple faith call upon the Lord Jesus Christ be born again. Help them to see their condition. Help them to see where they're at and their desperate need of you. God, please, by your spirit, help them to understand that you're a loving father, that the family of God is the best family they could ever be a part of. God, Save their souls today before it's eternally too late. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor. Amen.